0: This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. My Natural Hair is a podcast that shares all the information you're looking to learn about natural hair. The movement, the styles, growing your hair naturally and meeting other people, part of the natural hair culture and movement. My Natural Hair is hosted by LaDonna Sims and Markeisha St. Clair from Hair Goals 313. Collectively, LaDonna and Markeisha have over 25 years of experience doing natural hair. Black Coffee is a podcast hosted by Kari Frazier and Frida Sampson Weekly. Weekly, Frida and Kari welcome guests to discuss the rich history of Black leadership, entrepreneurship, artistry, and social justice. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. The Detroit is Different podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.
1: I law, legal, royalty, bars in every sentence. Get off my pretty wings, I have a indifference. My mind's too advanced, I do mathematics with letters. That's why my iron-bicked contaminant is way better. Still a side of Shakur, Melhor, Couture. What other rappers' metaphors? So it's semaphores. Vocabs too advanced to be autocorrected. Alpha rapper, other alphabets been resurrected and scrabble boards on face running on these tracks like flaws, perfect on the chase one limb explodes like flaws, perfect in the race it takes less than two when I'm robbing on this base Huh. See, I'm easy rocking Be easy with this key like you straight out of Compton One project away like I'm straight out of Tompkins Legal equals fly or die, these other birds are just mocking Brain pin pad, vocal cord lips These other female rappers out here talking with their hips These misguided gangsters out here talking with their clips While these devils copyright, grab the cash and then they zip They try to stack us up and slay boats that don't float Penitentiary surrounded by a moat It's mental, you can tie a lion with a rope And it will stay right there if he murder all his folks. But I got the antidote that would free any slaves and make runaway masters back in the days When that turn away every day, that's the doctrine I'll show them off my legs when I'm dressed down in stockings Now convince me your life matters when that violence starts to move in a counterclockwise pattern they hypnotize us with a lie, control their minds, confuse their hearts Their power will die, gentrify their art, gentrify their block in their hearts. Then protest beside them, this is what's such a farce Next we'll turn them into mother nature's bastards That way they won't survive when you start coming out, blasting. Have them boost their melanin, tell them that's yes in fashion Take the edge and the edges, have them sew those tracks in If they sew what they will be, it'd be hard to wake them up once they put it to sleep you like rap that keep you stupid you are brave enough to lose their life over music Scared to teach you righteous cause they're scared to be poor May these cowards die all You're on Peace, what's C-lure. up? This
2: is Piper Carter and you are listening to the Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is Different And I'm in the studio with Brittany, the token millennial Hi <sighs> What's I'm up, here?
3: Brittany?
2: I'm, I'm here, everybody. The Token Millennial. Yeah. Wait, Brittany, turn my mic down just a little bit. It sounds like a bit loud. Let me see. Is that better? Um, yeah, yeah. like maybe like up a little bit, like right about there. Okay. That's good. That's good. Thanks. So, um, yeah, Brittany, um, so how was your week? Uh,
3: week was good. Um, mm-hmm. trying to think of any highlights.
2: Anything there. from work? No. Nothing from the elevator business. Yeah,
3: nothing from the elevator business. I mean...
2: But it looks like okay, things are so, going up.
3: <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. A lot of stuff happened uh, this week. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at how to adjust mine. It's of your, yeah, it's a little better. So, yeah, so Otis is a, was a conglomerate with UTC, United Technologies, and we just split with them today, which will take effect... Between the next 18 and 24 months, which is interesting, UTC is deciding to invest more into aerospace, Mm. and the conspiracy theory in me is just like, of course they are. Mm -hmm. They want to go to Mars. Mm. Then, of course, as you know, the GM stuff Mm -hmm. is shaking up the world
2: because
3: it's giving insight on a lot of different things Mm -hmm. that people think. It's going to equate into a recession, mm-hmm. but I'm not a financial person, so I can't really even talk about it, but
2: mm-hmm. if
3: I had to guess based off what people are spending,
2: okay, it wouldn't, it wouldn't doubt me. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's interesting when folks talk about like what the economy's doing, because mm-hmm. it's like, really? That's what the economy's doing? Because like, <laughs> I'm over here doing this over here. hmm But yeah, so, okay. Well, you're going to keep us abreast. Yeah, for sure. Of that situation. Mm
3: -hmm. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep looking into some things. So what does that mean
2: exactly? Like for your, um, for your company? Well, they
3: think that it's a good idea that we now have full control as a independent company like we did in the seventies. I mean, Mm -hmm. we didn't have too much. UTC, United Technology didn't have too much insight on our, on my day to day. It's more so of a of a corporate thing and Mm. corporate meetings and as kanye would say guys in suits Mm -hmm. who don't know how to dress no more that's funny meeting and doing all kind of stuff but they think it's a good thing they think it's gonna give us more power in the direction of uh elevator yeah so we'll see i'm again i'm not 100 percent sure i just think it's interesting that Uh, Everybody is going through major changes and is trying to be more proactive about it. Yeah. It's the end of the year. that's true too.
2: People trying to get things tightened up, you Mm -hmm. know, before the next year. So what's
3: going on your way? How's your week? Oh my
2: goodness. What have I done? So it was Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. Like last week, I got a chance to spend time. Uh, one of my close cousins came in from New Jersey. Shouts out to Everett and his wife, Audra and Audrey and his, son nice. Derek who is we we call him like my birthday twin but we're not <laughs> born like the same exact day like he's got like a day on me and a whole lot of years younger but um that's my little sweetheart that's cool yeah so hung out with them and my aunt and then we also went over to um one of my other cousin's houses and um raided her refrigerator on Friday and warmed up everything and I got to hang out with my cousin <laughs> Evelyn, who's an attorney, super brilliant woman that's writing a book. So she let me see the book that she's writing.
3: Can I ask about what it's gonna be Not talking about? Yet. Okay. She made me Gave sign a secret
2: a a family NDA of like, don't tell nobody. <laughs> okay. So I said, Okay. She's a um, smart lawyer. So her husband uh came with her and um shouts out to Jason and her two kids. Um, came and it was cool and we hung out so Thursday I really didn't do anything I just lazed around in the bed I called my mom and I was going to spend the day with my mom but I called her in the morning and I told her I was going to come over and then she said she didn't feel like being bothered (laughs) (laughs) so I said not a problem so she probably just (laughs) lazed around so that was cool so it gave me the day to just relax so that's what's up so that's what I did
3: Sounds
2: good. Um then,
3: so, yeah. So you talk about our world work world being a little different. What mm-hmm. would you say work wise things that you feel coming down the pipeline as we enter
2: 2019? So right. So all the this next like six weeks or however much longer we have, um I'm gonna be I set up a bunch of different meetings with different people. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty much just like meeting, 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 meeting. I mean, I meet anyway. If you know me, I'm always at a meeting. <laughs> but, um, for the most part, I've been just like, uh, recently just like going to a lot of meetings, um, about things, uh, that are going to be happening in 2019. So, um, I can't really speak in detail yet. Understood. Just until, um, stuff gets closer. But for the most part, it's really just, lining up all the things that are going to be happening in 2019. I can say that, um, I will be doing a monthly series, um, professional development series next year. I can tell you about that. Um, just letting folks, uh, bringing in industry experts to like help folks, um, learn how to, uh, navigate the industry. Um, and be, uh, the other couple things I can't even speak about yet because they're not, they're not there yet. Okay. Um, but then something that happened awesome today is, um, well, I got invited to go to the University of Michigan and, um, talk about my story. And so that was pretty cool. The um, shouts out to all the students in the um, hip hop history class at University of Michigan Ann Arbor campus. Tell everybody how many people you think were in the class. Mm. Give us some imagery. I want to say maybe maybe like sixty, Dang. maybe sixty seventy something like that. It was like a lecture type of class. Okay. Um and uh this was a uh, Professor Stephen Ward is the um the teacher. Okay. And so it was pretty cool. Um shouts out to my Muslim sister my Algerian Muslim sister, um Bayan, and that uh invited me. Um what else? Let me see. Well, so this coming Friday I'm going to be in Ozzy's class. Uh shouts out to Ozzy Rivera. Um he teaches um in the Latinx studies okay. at, at Wayne State University. So I'll be in there doing some hip hop history um inside of his class. Um and then actually preparing for preparing my presentation because um next month um, I'm gonna be in Los Angeles and I'm gonna be um going to the show Prove conference. And so um that's gonna take place the seventh through the ninth of December in Los Angeles. Um What are you showing in and River- are you proving? Riverside, California? Well, um, so I'm gonna be doing a presentation along with Mazi Mustafa and Asheru. And, um, who are hip hop scholars, like they're internationally known hip hop scholars and, um, culture ambassadors, if you will, mm-hmm. and educators. And so we're going to be presenting together on spirituality in hip hop. Nice. Like how we use ritual, um, in hip hop to preserve and share our culture. And so that's, uh, that's going to be pretty interesting. Like I'm very excited about, um, getting a chance to work with, with both of them. Because, um, I really respect their work and I, um, have seen them, you know, from afar. So it's quite an honor. It, the show and prove has been around almost 20 years. And so, um, just like, um, being able to be like a part of that. So, um, that's, that's an honor and being in that, um, prestigious environment with folks that I, look up to and admire and follow their work and then being able to be a presenter with some of these folks. That's like really, um that's something that's really fulfilling, you know? So yeah. looking forward to 2019, I want to do some more of those. So if you're at a university, like holla at your girl, because I want to come and I want to, you know, share with you and I want to bring these awesome women in hip hop there to do some performances and to teach and do workshops and, yeah. So
3: that sounds like so much fun, especially when you're like knowledgeable and well-versed in something. I mm-hmm. know it has to be fun.
2: It is fun. Um, it's fun to share your culture with people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's fun. I mean, and it's interesting too, cause like after the class today, I had like, probably like maybe seven to 10 of the young people came up to me like, wow, thank you so much, <laughs> you know, for sharing. Like, can we stay in touch? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some different things here. One of the young people is doing a thesis on Wu-Tang and she was like, "I'm going to bring the RZA. So I want to bring you back when I bring RZA. And they were very enthusiastic about That's so cool. Hip hop and hip hop culture. And it's crazy cuz like most of them were born in probably like maybe 98. Mm-hmm. 1998. So I'm like, "Dang you." Like That's- I was grown as hell in 1998. I already was into my career at that point, you know. So I was eight. Oh my God. <sighs> so, well, okay, so moving on, I wanted to talk about today's episode. I wanted to kind of devote um to the activism and stuff. Yes. That's been going on. So for the most part, um I feel like over the past I wanna say like uh six months, like I've really picked up in activism. So, you know, I've told you before that, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, like a staff volunteer for East Michigan Environmental Action Council. Yes. Which does obviously environmental justice and working on just transition. Um, which I'll get into a little bit more here. But, um, for the most part, I wanted to share that, um, you know what? This microphone feels like it's kind of, Let me see. Can you warm it up a little bit? It feels like it's kind of super loud. How's that? Okay, that's that's kind of better. I mean, that's good right there. That's good right there. That's good. That's good. Yeah, thanks. Okay. So, um, I was just getting like this kind of like sharpness back. But thanks. So, um, for the last like six months, I've just been, um, really concentrating more on activism and getting invited to um do more um activism around the country. And that's that's really, really, really um something I love doing. Like number one, I love traveling. Like I love traveling, I love meeting people, I love going to different places and um getting a chance to like go and meet people and then understand their struggles. Like that's something that I'm super passionate mm. about. Um so with that, like I said, I'm I'm a like a volunteer. Staff, if you will, at East Michigan Environmental Action Council. So I do, like, a lot of things there. I wear, like, a lot of hats. Weren't you—didn't you do something in Atlanta? Yeah. So um, EMEAC is um, the organization I'm telling you about. E-M-E-A-C, East Michigan Environmental Action Council, is a member of Grassroots Global Justice. And <sighs> so we went to Atlanta. Um, I want to say it was August— and we did our, uh, members assembly. Okay. And so the members assembly was where we, we kind of get together and, um, reinforce our principles and, you know, get to learn about the work that one another's doing and do a little bit deeper relationship building and bonding. Um, and that's important for your network, you know? And so you guys, just to reiterate, mm-hmm. shouts out to Bryce because Bryce, is in
3: that group with you he's mm-hmm. a representative of with of Detroit with you correct? Yep. and it's yep. a national organization international inter, excuse me mm-hmm. international organization mm-hmm. And you guys are pulling together throughout the
2: year mm-hmm. so there's one time a year where you actually come face to face a few times few times okay. Mm-hmm. okay and so this one is more about us looking at um our collective struggles and where we can support one another and lifting that up and, okay and so um that was August September. We went to what was called um, Soul to Soul, um, Solidarity to Solutions, and that's where we went to San Francisco. And we protested against the GCAS, the Global Action um, Summit, which was basically a farce um, trying to pretend that they were concerned about green and sustainability. But it's really big greens and big business that make money off these things. Oh, yeah. I remember, government. I,
3: I remember you telling me about this, like, when you first came back, you were mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, like, I went to this conference, and, like, I learned so much. But you were like, mm-hmm. I learned so much in a way that I want to come back here and, like, give people insight on, like, what these people with money, how they're actually thinking. Mm-hmm.
2: Like, yeah, I mean, because it was like uh, the governors from around the world were coming together to have conversations about, the resources that are here on the earth and how they should be used and how they could um make money off of them. And these are decisions and things that we don't necessarily pay attention to. Things like energy, you know, gas, our water, our air, um and they're things they're decisions that they're making that are based in money and greed. And like real people are dying because of it. Mm. You know, like our rainforests and the the folks that are there, are, you know, suffering. We're looking at these fires that have happened, you know, along the coast in California, um, whether it's Northern California, they're also happening in Los Angeles. And people are saying, oh, well, they always have fires, but not like this. I've talked to people, I've gone out, you know, West, met people from Oakland that have grown up there their whole lives. And they have told me that this is the worst that they've seen it. And they feel this because of, uh, the energy company that's out there and the decisions that it's making. And so real people have died. And like, who's going to be accountable to that? Who's going to be accountable for that? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, just things like that are super interesting. So something I didn't get a chance to, um, talk with folks about, something you came to, we started talking about it like the last couple of weeks, but we got, you know, onto some other subjects, but, um, the black to just transition assembly. Yes. So remember you came, you came to the last day of that though.
3: Yeah. And like I told you, um, part of me, like half of me, I wanted to come to the Saturday events, um, for the free Suwatu. um, the fundraiser. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I really, really wholeheartedly wanted to be there that Monday to really get the vibe. You can, you can, you can get a good vibe in the middle and usually the end. The beginning is hard to like really get a good vibe because everyone's so happy Mm -hmm. to be there and there's well um, that's
2: by design too, right? Yeah, of course. Bring people in and get them acclimated to the city. Yeah, yeah.
3: And um, I will just say, and I'm gonna let you get into it, and we'll we'll vibe off of it a lot. But I purposely wanted to be there the last day, and I and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I learned so much just sitting and watching and observing. And I had to like hold back on like not being like in the moment with you guys because you guys had been there for four days and there was so much that you guys had planned. There was so much energy in the room and I didn't want to uh, selfishly because I had things I wanted to say and things that I wanted to partake in it was my time to absor- uh, uh really absorb and i really really enjoyed it but
2: yeah wow well you know you'll get a chance to participate because that was like the learning planning kind of workshopy type stages mm-hmm. and so now it's time to like move that stuff forward okay and so um just to give like you know some context so um so basically over those 4 days um emiac was basically the convener of what's called the Black to Just Transition Assembly, I'll tell you what Just Transition is, It's basically how we go from an extractive economy to a regenerative economy um, with justice in the middle and how we put people in the planet over profits. And so long story short, um, what was really interesting is that um, for the Just Transition Assembly um, that we had had, so like we went to the Soul to Soul and that was a Just Transition Assembly because... Over those four days that we were in San Francisco back in, um, September, that we were, we did protests, we did protests, we did actions, we did marches, mm. we did gatherings, we did trainings. And so all of that, um, was helping us understand, like, what is it that we need to do in the meantime? Um, that's better than what we were doing before. That's going to get us to, like, the utopia that we, you know, that we want to live. And, um, so, you know, we got the chance to like connect with folks like all over the world. And from that, we learned like, wow, you know, this is really powerful, but we really need like a black, like an intentionally black space to have conversations about environmental justice issues that impact mm-hmm. black people specifically. Mm-hmm.
3: So my, my question was, mm-hmm. is, so just to transition, you guys, those groups are already a part of that organization or was, or were these groups that I witnessed already, were they handpicked specifically for this event?
2: So, um, both. So okay. basically, there's a network. So the network is Grassroots Global Justice, which is an alliance of, um, environmental justice organizations. Okay. Right. And then, um, and they're all over the world. And they work in things like food and farming and okay. then air and water. And all types of issues, right? And then you've got, um, Climate Justice Alliance. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much work on issues around climate. Okay. And so, um, a lot of the members are mem- and they're an alliance as well. And so they're, you know, members of organizations that are part of, uh, a climate work, the climate justice movement. And so, Um, a lot of those folks are like some of the same similar folks or some of the same similar organizations and some are different. Okay. And like housing goes into that, you know, um, racial equity goes into that, gender justice goes into that. And so a lot of issues, right. Like go into that. Okay. And so, um, like I said, you know, it was decided that we really, as we started conversing, we had a black liberation, um, round table if you will that was at soul to soul and folks were like yo we need like a uh, an intentionally black space to 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 really learn and talk about and share with one another what are other black people that are doing environmental justice around the world what are what are the solutions that all of us are doing and how can we share those solutions with one another and what are the issues that we need to address that are specific to black people i love it and, and then, you know, and then we got into other conversations around who's black. That's a very interesting so conversation. I, <laughs> that wasn't solved. I'll say that. Okay. I was going to ask, was it solved? No, because, you know, it's interesting. Um, some people identify as black and some don't. I got you. You know, and, um, you know, black also can be all types of things. So we want to make sure that we're connecting with our continental African folks, our Caribbean mm-hmm. folks. Our Latinx folks, our, um, Southeast Asian folks that identify as Black, our folks from India that identify as Black, um, our indigenous folks that identify as Black, our, you know, um, obviously descendants of slaves, but, you know, all of the different ways in which Black shows up on a human. You know what I'm saying? We want to make sure that if, if you identify as Black, you know what I'm saying? Um, and we, and there was also, um, space at our event, where we had people of color, um opportunities. We had people of color panels. So we had a black and brown solidarity panel where we brought indigenous leaders, right, from the environmental justice movement, um uh Indigenous Environmental Network and, and other organizations to come and share with us because, you know, we have to move in solidarity, you know? And um we had Latinx you know, leaders come mm-hmm. and share with us. We had continental African, you know, so called immigrants come and share with us because, you know, the black immigration struggle is normally left out of the immigration story. Mm. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, immigration and what happens to, you know, immigrants, many times the African immigrant and the black immigrant, the Caribbean immigrant, the black Latinx immigrant or just filling the blank black immigrant are left out of You know, these, these, these solutions that need to happen with folks. And so we want to make sure that we're, you know, supporting, um, our family. You know what I'm saying? By bringing issues to the table
3: mm -hmm. and
2: making it, making connecting our struggles, right? Yep. So that Mm -hmm. we're stronger. So, um, basically we gathered like over 60 folks. Um, it was a historic gathering. Um, you know, we basically trained. Um, like fellow black organizers all over the country, uh, towards environmental justice and, uh, and liberation.
3: What made, what made the, the decision to be, to meet in Detroit first?
2: Um, mm, we kind of like put through our head in because we were like, Detroit is ground zero for everything that's happening to black people. And it's been happening for like a minute on environmental justice front from poisoning the school. Kids water, mm-hmm. and even just in Michigan in general, poisoning the whole city of Flint, um, the housing foreclosure crisis, um, you know all the massive jobs that were uh, lost or taken you know away from people, and we just wanted to make sure that Detroit was there at the center, sharing what happened to the people here. To, to basically destroy black leadership and destroy the black power base that, uh, made this city so strong for so long. And I mean, it, it was really super incredible. Uh, and I mean, basically, like for so many decades, Detroit had been home to some of the worst environmental instances in the U.S., like the whole zip code of 48217. Which is the most poisoned zip code in the entire country? So unreal, unreal. The incidences of cancer, you guys, and people that die there—it's just—it's outrageous. And that Friday
3: when they came, when everyone came in, you guys took them through a tour. Thursday, we Thursday, took them on a toxic right. tour. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. through the 48217, you know, so that we could show them uh Detroit as a, a historic hub also for being um the seat of a of visionary thinking okay right around around not just that but it's for black liberation struggle for organized resistance arts culture technology and so emiat uh has been basically cultivating a movement for just transition and decided to invite black leaders and delegates from all over the nation to participate in this moment and basically take the time to train people, assemble people, build new pathways towards justice, you know? Yes. Towards equity and freedom. And, you know, these are, um, these are interesting times that we're living in right now. Uh, and though, it, they may at this point it may feel hopeless just know that all over the world people are doing all kinds of great solutions to issues whether it's soil remediation whether it's water purification uh saving seeds uh, creating electricity getting off the grid cryptocurrency uh, all I mean just all types of solutions that it's like, wow. And the more and more that we come together and share this knowledge, then the stronger we become. Yes. And then building the network also allows us to be able to go there. Right. Yes. So, and, 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 and keep these relationships and things going. So initially with the tour, um, excuse me, it started out, uh, with like a convening in the pre-assembly that was Thursday. So, there's about 40 people that were invited on the national and, and, and regional organizers that came together and they participated in, they got on the bus and they traveled to 48217. Um, shout out to Emma Lockridge, who's from 48, who lives there, mm-hmm. one of the organizers from that community. Took folks through there, showed them, Marathon, where marathon is, marathon is poisoning people and all of the other just toxic companies that are seated right there, just within that little couple of mile radius, right? And just, uh, the tour included like visits to the refineries, ports, metal recycling facilities, and just other sources that are linked to asthma, uh, birth defects, Cancer, like I said, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, uh, disheartening, but she, uh, brought folks together to hear stories from local residents. Wow. And that, that was really powerful. So
3: can you, like, what, I want two questions about that. Mm-hmm. Like, what were some of the residents feedback to those people?
2: They're very happy that people care to come check on them because what what happens is, you know, we're talking about the people who don't have much means.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Who, uh, when people say, "Oh, why don't they just leave?" These are people who own their homes and can't afford to leave, right? They invested in these homes, and this is what they invested in. So that's it, right? Yeah, they can't. They don't have nowhere to go, and so they're very happy that folks cared enough to want to come check on them, to listen to them, to mm-hmm. see them as a human being, to hear their story, to know that they're alive and to know that someone cares about them and cares about what they're going through, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: That is so, I love how she did that, like, mm-hmm. and just take everyone
3: through that area, mm-hmm. but allow them to interact with the people that are there. And then what were some of the reactions of people? That mean, attended? California miami mm-hmm. excuse me florida mm-hmm. uh new york yeah um i mean the list goes on Atlanta, and i named uh, rhode island
2: you know Uh, Oakland. there was a guy there from seattle yeah so basically folks are really appreciative to be able to go there and to meet people and to connect with folks because these are, they're from communities that are dealing with the exact same things. One of the presenters, to Ransha from Journey for Justice from okay. Camden, New Jersey. She talked about that their community is going through the same exact thing in big Camden, major, New Jersey.
3: Big major corporations mm-hmm. that are spewing out chemicals. Mm-hmm. With them. And just killing people. Slide Slowly
2: out. with cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, same thing, San Antonio, you know, they have these areas and they're dumping areas and they are where they put these refineries and things and their the homes are cheaper and the people have been there for a long time. So they do these deals and they just throw it there. So they don't consult with the people. They don't consult with the community. And, you know, the city is just happy to have the business. They promise jobs. That's the illusion, Right. So they'll say, Oh, we'll give you these jobs. But like, I think um, Rashida Tlaib, shouts out to her. Um, she was on the panel, first Palestinian Muslim woman, um, you know, from Detroit to, uh, you know, be elected into office. Right. Yes. And so she was on a panel and. Well, she replaced um John Conyer's um congressional seat number, you know seat uh, 13th district but um she was she's been doing this fight like a long time she's from Southwest she uh was basically telling us that in the negotiations marathon had promised like all these thousands of jobs something like I want to say something like ten thousand jobs they promised right or It was something like 10, 11,000 jobs they had promised, and they ended up only giving 16 jobs. What? Mm Mm-hmm. They ended up only actually giving 16 jobs. So they poison a whole community because they, under the guise of they're going to give all these jobs, and then they end up only giving 16 jobs. So is it worth it? What? Okay. I mean, it's not worth it if people are poisoned and die anyway, but just in the land of like what was offered and what was given. Right.
3: Okay. So you said that the lady's name was Congresswoman Rashida? Mm-hmm. Talib. Uh, do you, do you mind if as we're talking about some of these people and, and topics, I read some of the comments that, that were, that were noted? Yeah. For okay. Sure. So she said, think about the women who taught me. I grew up in S Southwest Detroit. I grew up thinking it was normal to smell like rotten eggs. Women whose child kept getting nosebleeds, not understanding that it was sulf- sulfur oxide causing those nosebleeds. Fighting corporate greed. Know that it's just not Republicans, also Democrats, that have sold out to corporation industries. My work in injustice started getting louder when I, when I saw this. I was driving across a bridge and saw a plumb of black smoke out of U.S. steel coming out into the air. Sugar Law Center created by a UAW lawyer fought for workers' rights. But institutions changed. So be involved, be awake, and look beyond the 7.2 miles of concentrated wealth in
2: Detroit Metro man Mm -hmm. so and that was like the first panel (laughs) so so imagine there's like four days of that oh just learning and learning and And then then, the the fact that they got to see it for themselves and not only that but you know um so so they took them through that right yeah but you know uh part of the purpose is that we're coming up with solutions too right understood not just you know wallowing in our pain so Mm. they also took them um there's a project called solidarity and that's in Highland Park. So they got a chance to go see Solidarity. And so they did kind of like an energy, it's an energy democracy project. And so energy democracy is the idea that people, the, mo- the people that are most impacted by the energy decisions should have the greatest say in shaping them. And so one thing that Solidarity does is they have, so long story short, the city of Detroit decided to do this thing called right sizing under Mayor Bing. And basically what it was was uh, redistricting um, or just re-chopping up the city because they said that the city was too big for as many people that had left. And so they wanted to make the city, quote unquote, the right size. And There's so, no way to do that. i so, sorry. Well, basically what they were doing is they were pushing people out. So that's why they created the housing foreclosure. Yeah. That's why they shut off people's water. That's why they shut off people's lighting. That's why they closed the schools. So that's why they did all this. that's why they removed the garbage um pickup. That's why they removed um the ambulance services and the police services. So that's why they did all that. And so they did that along with Skillman mm-hmm. and um some some other uh big businesses. I think it was it now it's called Detroit Works, but it was called something else. And uh they created something called um there's this whole plan, it's called the Detroit Future City Plan. And basically it's a 20 year plan that by the year 2020, um, they will have reorganized the population within Detroit. And so they're well within that plan. And so there's areas that they want to be green space and areas that they want to be uninhabited and areas that they wanted to take over and areas that they wanted to be heavier populated. And so they, it, it was a investment, divestment plan. That basically push folks out of their properties. So, with that, um hi, one thing that Highland Park had done, um, Highland Park is a city that's inside Detroit. It's very interesting. If you ever visit here, we have a city inside of our city. <laughs> oh, another city with another mayor, another government, another police force, um, all within uh within the middle of our city. We actually have two cities. Sitting in the middle of our city, Highland Park and Hamtramck. But Highland Park, um, you know, mm. I was born in Highland Park. What? Mm-hmm, Highland Park Hospital. But, um, so Solid, Solidarity, S-O-L, Solidarity. Shouts out to Jackson. Oh, real quick. Jackson yeah. gave like, was like $1,500? Towards the fundraiser for free sawatu. Oh my gosh. Shout out to free Jackson. Free uh, yeah. What shout out to-
3: that is amazing, Piper.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Jackson. So Jackson has this company organization, it's called Solidarities, where he trains people in the neighborhood um on solar. Okay. And so that became necessary because they cut off the lights. They just start cutting off city lights because they were like, yo, the city can't afford to have street lights. Now, if you know the crime level in the hood, that's dangerous. It just gave me chills. Like cutting off people's streetlights. And so, um, while much of Detroit's streetlights are still cut off, Highland Park was like, yo, we got a solution. So Jackson um has been teaching folks how to do solar and they have been installing these um solar powered lights, solar powered street lights. And then and then teaching them how to do other um other solar projects that are you know, integral so that they can save money on their um on their bills. You know, because DTE, which is our energy and power source that's here, is basically a monopoly in like gouging the community. And so, um, for folks to be able to save money and and keep their um electricity and things on, um, he's been just going through and and just helping folks save money by, you know, being able to have their own solar. So they got a chance to meet with those folks and see those folks. Our um youth, by the way, actually um trained with Jackson and then went door to door, you know, to like teach um community residents about doing community solar. So we got a chance to work with him kind of intimately, if you will. That's um so with cool. the young people. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. It's the young
3: people, I know they appreciate it. So is it something different? It's something relevant. And yeah. you're helping.
2: And they're helping. And you're learning a craft. Yeah. And they were, um, you know, they were, um, excited to be able to, like, take something to their parents that they could show their parents. That's cool. You know, in addition, in addition to helping people. That's super cool. And then they went to, and then the tour went to, um, the cappuccino soup kitchen. There's a couple of cappuccino soup kitchens on the east side mm-hmm. that's run by the cappuccino monks. Okay. But, um, th- people on the tour got a chance to like, you know, see some, um, they got a chance to like see some food justice in action. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, they got a chance to, you know, see what it means to build like a just food system, you know, a food system with justice in it. When I, when we use the word just, we mean like justice. Right. And so, um, that means that, you know, the soil is healthy. People learn how to, uh, test the soil. They learn how to make sure the soil is, you know, um, not, doesn't have any toxins or anything. Um, or they learn how to make raised beds. They learn how to, um, what is it? Cultivate bees and create businesses from that. They learn how to do all different types of food businesses. They learn how to, you know, plant food and grow food and cultivate and nurture, you know, the, the, the land and one another and like, and share food, you know? And so they got a chance to see, uh, the land that the Capuchins have and where they have their community garden. And so that, that was pretty powerful that too. Amazing. Mhm. So what else do we have? Oh my God. We have like so much cool stuff. I mean, Joanne Watson, Watson did like this awesome, like, Prayer and grounding. Her? Reverend, Reverend Joanne Watson. I read
3: her you know, Friday, mm-hmm. the notes from, from her panel. She used
2: to be on city council. Oh my gosh.
3: Mm-hmm. Like, this, I, I'm trying to, as I'm talking, I'm trying to find it so I
2: can read it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, while you're looking for that, um, she basically has been a leading activist currently, I mean, with a lot of things, but also helping with the people of Detroit with the water crisis, and most recently um with the group that's um working to save the Charles H. Wright museum, okay, mhm and so I mean her resume is like longer than the arm, but she does so many great things here in the city and fights for so many people, so um it was just an honor to have her be present, you know what i'm saying she's
3: she's a legend. Yeah, literally. She was legend. part of
2: old Detroit. Well, I don't want mm-hmm. to say old Detroit, but the black power of Detroit. Understood. You know, when, when Detroit had black leadership.
3: Um, so real quick, and then I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. These were, um, the notes that were taken from her partaking, uh, that Friday the 9th. She says, I was born in Detroit where there were 19 owned black hospitals, now to zero. Black owned. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. There are one people. Come from one creator. There is no real separation. We all come from Africa. We are here to protect the food, the water, the people, the environment. We're not protecting what what we created. We ourselves were created. Close eyes and breathe justice, equality. Let go of hostility. We have been pressed out of the creator. We are byproducts of the most high. The creator just like a drop of water from the Atlantic Ocean. Feel connection to the water to the soil, to the sky. We are just not here for ourselves but to protect and preserve for those coming after us. Call on creator to make, excuse me, call on creator our maker to help us. Like I felt like so, when I read that for the first time a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that is so empowering. Like she gives in, in, that, in that capture of what she was saying, it gives, it's like a mixture of there's work to do but understand who you are, you are powerful, now let's get busy. And yeah, I love it. pretty much. I love it, like, so insightful. But I, I was wondering, you mentioned, you know, I'm not trying to digress, but you mentioned the museum. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could give insight. If you can't, I understand.
2: Mm, I mean, long story short, there's a group that has been meeting because, well, for a few things. One, the mu- the Charles H. Wright Museum had ousted its president, um, and unbeknownst, you know, to the community and it came at such a like a shock because she was so beloved by the community and had been bringing a lot of great programming, a lot of great people. And so, um, yeah, it was uh kind of shocking, you know, Understood. because it kind of just came out of nowhere and it was kind of like, OK, well, she's fired and she's out of here. And folks are like, well, what's going on? And it was like, you know, she, uh, they, they, they hired or they brought in like an interim CEO to replace her. And so, well, that person is from Dow Chemical. And so folks were like looking at it like, well. Is she black? Is he? Is he black? Mhm. Okay. And so basically, people were looking at it though, like, what are his principles if he's from Dow Chemical? Um, some other things happened, and so the group was like, "Look, so well, I didn't name her name. Is Juanita Moore? So shouts out to Juanita Moore. Shouts out. She did a she. The controversy was that uh, Cranes Detroit wrote that she had, you know. Weathered the storm with the um museum, so the museum had been under uh financial duress if you will like during the financial crisis, and she helped the museum you know get through that there's an alternative to there's al- there's people who have a, 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 what i would say they the alternative facts of <laughs> i don't know how to put it but um There's an alternative view. Understood. Yeah. From folks who are in big business in the city. But for the long or the short, she was for a decade, helped the museum get through difficult times, difficult financial times, stay afloat. And it says on paper in the cranes that she helped it go from being under resourced to being in surplus. And so while the museum had continued to thrive and grow and she brought in lots of great programming, people were feeling rather cheated as a community to learn that she was just being ousted. And so um, they formed a group and they sent some demands to the board. They told the board that they wanted to have a community group that would, uh, or community members that would be on the board and the board rejected that. They said, no, well, you can have an advisory committee. But you know, an advisory committee is nobody listens to advisory committees. Um, <laughs> they're just kind of there just to say that you're on an advisory committee, but it's really like a no power type of, you know, type of committee. Um, it's just there for a show, right? They have no power. So they were like, wow, that's janky because you, as a public institution, because the building itself is owned by the city, you should be able to, um, have community members that are on the board. But the board feels like, no, y'all community people are dumb and y'all don't know anything. So we need to have city officials and, you know, corporations like on our board. So with that, one of the members of the board suggested, that the museum have a Thomas Jefferson exhibit that come in for Black History Month. And so that enraged the group, and they put out a petition. They got about 15,000 signatures, and basically they were like, why would you have a Thomas Jefferson exhibit during Black History Month? Well, they got so much pushback that they decided to change the name of the exhibit. And so... Um, at this point, it's called, I think that they're, they're calling it the Monticello exhibit because that's the estate where, um, that was Thomas Jefferson's estate was Monticello. And they're going to focus on, um, the, what, what would we call it? The, 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 the controversial aspect of the Thomas Jefferson history, or that's what, that's what they're saying. They're saying that, oh, we want to, you know, uplift the controversial aspect, um, of his, of his history. But for the most part, um, if you were to look up his relationship with Sally Hemings, Mm -hmm. um, in years past, in a lot of history books, they'll say that, she was his mistress. We're talking about the black woman mm-hmm. that mothered seven of, of his children. So they, they describe her as his mistress, but the group is pretty upset because it's not his mistress, right? Like in hindsight, we could see, I mean, shoot, in foresight, we could see that that's like he raped her. She was a kid when he got with her, right? So it's like a pedophile and a a rapist. And so the group is like, that's really traumatizing that you would want to focus on this legacy during Black History Month, like why? But long story short, the exhibit is on um, tour. And so one of the board members suggested that it should come there because it has money and they're like, yeah, it's gonna bring the museum money. Controversy, finding out the the is was it kind of like that? No, they, they, no. Long story short, they got some money, and they're gonna give the museum some money, and that's where you get, that's how they want to get some money. That you know, one of the one of the board members was like, look, look, we can get money like this, and um, yeah. So the group is like, yeah, like that's terrible. Like, take that to the Henry Ford Museum. Like, if you really want to tell the story and you really want to do good in the world, you're not going to bring that story to the African-American Museum because it's traumatic. But if you really want to teach people, then you'll put that in the Henry Ford Museum, which is where you have white man's history, if you will, right? So anyway, that's ongoing. far as I know, um, that exhibit is still happening, regardless of the 15,000 signatures saying that they don't want it, regardless of the group of like 200 people um asking that it not come so we'll see how that unfolds um they may be staging a protest like i don't know i don't know um what they what they plan to do but yeah so yeah that's where all that kind of came from very interesting piper very interesting um i didn't mean to digress you off uh oh no but i mean it's kind of relevant um, it's all related to like activism. Yes. So yeah, Detroit activism. So yeah, so where were we? So we were talking about just transition. I mean I Where guess,
3: where you, you were mentioning uh...
2: But I guess a lot of this is part of the just transition, no? Yeah. Like like how do we how do we get to the world that it is that we that we want? What are these messages? Like, what are we teaching the next like what is the value in that exhibit? Because like I had different people. Uh, chime in, right? Black women and different people, you know, educated people, and put educated in quotes, and hit me up and say, Piper, you know, this is valuable information and people need to know. And I'm not saying that, that it's information that needs to be hidden. Um, I feel like the truth needs to be told just like the, the the story of slavery. Like there's a whole slavery exhibit there called Still I Rise, and you can go down there and you can see, you can board the actual slave ship Mm. Which is kind of traumatizing. You can see the slave dungeon. You can see the slaves laying across, um, you know, the, 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 the bottom of the slave ship. Like, you can see one of the slaves that got caught by the tree where the dog is about to gnaw his leg off. Like, you can, you know, it has a lot of different aspects to the, to the, the Still I Rise exhibit that are like, hmm, um, but I guess I'm just looking at it like, uh, why, why does the African American Museum have to have Thomas Jefferson of all p- people exhibit? Like, why does it have to be housed at the, Af- why can't something like that? Why can't white people tell the truth? Why do black people always have to, t- why does the truth always have to be in the black museum? Why can't white people tell the truth in a museum sometimes? I don't know. You Other know, I, I
3: love uh I love our museum. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, if someone said, well, "Where are five things you want to do?" I would want to get involved with the museum and and learn and to to add to the story because they they do a great job with chronological order and infusing bits and pieces of Detroit history. Mm-hmm. Uh Anything bad or great can you know can be improved. Um, I wouldn't. I I personally. Don't think Thomas Jefferson is needed to tell our story in Detroit or our travels through being in Africa, slavery, and post-slavery. Um, I don't know too much about it to speak further, but I I just know that I don't think it's, from my perspective. I don't think it's needed. Oh my god! A if lot of people bring... feel like it's the you know. i don't know, a lot of people. I think, saw
2: pictures of the exhibit. Uh-huh. It there's like a how tall was Thomas Jefferson? <sighs> <laughs> however tall he is, was, he t- was a tall guy. I don't know. I got you. But however tall he is, there's they they had a statue. I'm like, if they bring that white man statue to the African American museum and try to tell me that that's a part of my history, I'm just. It, it, it. I'm I'm gonna be so traumatized and floored. Now let me ask you this, since we're talking about <laughs> it. Let me let me. I will be too. But let me ask you this: what I do not want to walk into the (laughs) African-American Museum and see a statue of Thomas Jefferson. If whoever is organizing that exhibit, don't bring that part. (laughs) Tell them that's not the part you want. That's the part I saw. Now, they're saying that they're going to bring all these artifacts and things of Sally Hemings, and they're going to tell it from her perspective. But all the stuff that I saw from the exhibit was all about him. And it's all centered around him and his legacy and his story and why he's significant. And I'm like, that is such a stab in the heart to descendants of slaves to have that at the African-American Museum. Like, is that the legacy of Charles H. Wright? Where would they chronologically put that? Well, it's not about chronological. You know, you bring exhibits into the... um exhibit you know they have the two exhibition space they have the permanent exhibition which is downstairs that's a still i rise okay i'm with you that's mm-hmm. the that's the chronological chronological i'm talking yeah. about where they take yeah that's through. different okay. that's, that's 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 an exhibit that, there, okay. that whole thing is a complete exhibit this something else this is a different exhibit that they want to bring to a different okay they want to put it upstairs in two different rooms of the museum
3: i just think there's something else you could do with that space girl like and that could that could that could know still vast, draw.
2: That could still draw
3: headlines. And you know so how fast our history
2: is. They could do, do a hip hop one. Have they done it? Am I over? Am I over speaking? There's been a couple. Okay. But I mean, like, there's like, there's a vast history. There's a vast history. They're not doing it for for popularity, right? It's because it, th- they're going to pay. It's a tour. They're going to pay the museum money. So it's just a money maker. It's just a way to get some money. Oh my God. I got you.
3: Okay. I'm with you. I'm full circle now.
2: It's just, they're just paying. It's it's like going on tour. This thing is on tour. It's like, Hey, we should bring it. We should bring it here for tour. Like, you know, like as if it It was NWA tour or something. Got you. You know, if, if Nicki Minaj was on tour, you know, it's just a tour of the exhibit. Okay. So they, so they want to, so, you know, they, they, they pay you the money. It's, it's, It's put together by the Thomas Jefferson Foundation.
3: That makes me not for sure say, like, forget the political correctness. Like, that has
2: no place being there. This is what I'm saying. And this is what the group is saying. I mean, it's paid for by the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. So, like, whose story are we really telling? Is it, you know, what I saw centered Thomas Jefferson. Now, other people told me, oh, I went to Monticello and it was beautiful and it was fascinating and black people need to learn about these things and I just feel that. Did they say it was a love story or? Uh, no, 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 no. They're just saying that when they went to I'm the Monticello, to they're just saying that when they went to the Monticello, um, estate in Virginia, they have it, uh, pretty much set up in pristine condition. You can go down there and you can see all of Thomas Jefferson's, you know, estate, like in its supposed original form all the rooms and all of that okay so sally hemmings had her room and her things and she has this whole lineage that like comes from her okay to this day and so i guess what they're saying is that as opposed to focusing on the pedophile rapist part of thomas jefferson we should focus on um the legacy of sally Hemings, which is her um black children that could lay claim to Thomas Jefferson. The controversial part of that is that the white descendants of Thomas Jefferson don't even try to acknowledge the black descendants of Thomas Jefferson. So for me, that throws that theory out the window. But besides that, for me, I'm looking at it like, If this money is coming from the Thomas Jefferson Foundation, the purpose is to center Thomas Jefferson's history, point blank, period. And you could use Sally Hemings all you want to. It would be so
3: different if this wasn't a plantation, like if it was like a house and she was his full on wife and he was the first person in history to have a black wife and to live freely. And he opposed all that hated girl. It, it, that, I would be like, okay, it's still Thomas Jefferson's story, but the museum girl, does have GM in it. They do, they do talk about the UAW UA
2: Let me bring you back to reality. Okay. We're talking about slavery. It is a plantation. <laughs> we're talking about Thomas Jefferson, and we're talking about a man that was a pedophile and a rapist, okay, that owned slaves. And for years and years and years, they tried to tell us. That this was a love story. But, you know, um. I need, okay. Let's just bring ourselves to the reality of situations and not try to romanticize the relationship between Sally Hemings and Thomas Jefferson. Let's look at it for what it was. It was some sick shit.
3: This is, it's not even like, uh, I'm not even trying to bridge,
2: bridge things, but it's
3: not even close to sounding like the Pocahontas story.
2: It's pretty much the Pocahontas story. Okay. It's the Bill Cosby story. It's the fill-in-the-blank, you know, pedophile. Well, Bill Cosby wasn't a pedophile. He was a rapist, regardless. It's just basically, you know, trying to uh, repackage history And although they're saying, oh, well, we're going to tell the truth and we want people to know the truth. This is the way I feel. I feel like why is the burden always on the black museum to tell the freaking truth? If we're moving, if, if we're doing so great in these race relations, I need the Henry Ford Museum to pick up this exhibit and tell that truth. I want to see the Henry Ford Museum have this exhibit. That's what I want to see. Now, let me tell you something. If they were to try to bring this exhibit, the one that they're saying that they're going to bring to the African American Museum, which is the one that they claim is going to center Sally Hemings, right? If they wanted to bring that history to the Henry Ford Museum and center Sally Hemings and tell the truth, They'd probably blow that place up. You understand what I'm saying? The white supremacists that live in Michigan, as racist and white supremacists as Michigan is, do you think that they would ever tell that truth at the Henry Ford Museum? So, the only thing I'm saying is I'm, like, I'm reading. I'm sorry. I'm just no. Like, I'm just saying. The only thing I'm saying is that's that's what I'm gonna say about it. It's it's interesting. It's controversial. And you know, it's coming, it's coming in February and people have been protesting. People have been writing letters. People have been, um, you know, like I said, they have a whole petition with 15,000 people. You know, they got a whole group of 200 people.
3: I'm not mad at the story being told. I just, with, with what you're saying, there's two, besides the I Still I Rise exhibit, there's two other exhibits. I get that this is something that that the foundation there the Thomas Jefferson Foundation is paying for, but I just feel like there's other exhibits that could go there that blacks and whites that live in the city and other cultures that live in the city would be intrigued by
2: like I, I mean t- my thing is like why are we centering Thomas Jefferson or for any reason in an African American museum shouldn't.
1: we shouldn't this is this is just
2: my point we shouldn't you know that belongs at the Henry Ford Museum. It doesn't belong at the at the African American Museum. It doesn't. That's that's all I'm saying. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, like anyway, so that's what it is.
3: Well, so, thank you for I I hadn't I didn't I did not know that mm-hmm. that was coming. It's coming in February.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It's going to be here for like a bunch of is they they say Black History Month, they might be here longer. I don't know. God, man. Yeah. It's 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 really painful. Like it really hurts. You know what I mean? Like that one, it feels like a jab. It feels like somebody jab you in your heart. And like, you know, like push it through. Like it's like, whoa. So, you know?
3: So this was a, one of the new initiatives by the new leadership
2: or this No, was- this is coming off of one of the people that was on the board. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. hmm On the board of the museum. Okay. Very interesting. And so obviously the whole board agreed. And by
3: the way, listeners, for those of you who are living in the city and haven't checked out the museum or haven't been in a while, the museum is beautiful. It's still one of my favorite places to go, if not my favorite place to go. That's in that, in that, I want, I want to name it, but I mean, it's downtown, but it's not really downtown. It's really midtown, right? Midtown. Mm -hmm, Yep. It's beautiful. It's, it's awesome. Detroit's cultural center. It's Detroit cultural center. Thank you. And, uh, Piper does a lot of work in there. Yeah. She hosted the, she hosted the, the, uh, annual fashion show that was in, uh, inside of the annual, uh, African American festival that's there, that, that's outside of the, the museum. It's, it's a beautiful place that I still, I rise, visit. I mentioned chronological order. They do, uh, for me, I love history that is, that, that's timeline and seamless. And they have done such a great job. And they infuse, you know, like I said, a little bit of Detroit history. I think there's room for growth, but it's not bad. I think it's good, you know, what they have. And it's still, you know, something that you should support. Because what the tone we don't want to set, not saying Piper, I mean, but the tone we don't want to set throughout the city with all the changes that are going on is not to support the museum because we don't want it to be, oh, the the reason why we have to close this and it has to be part of something else is because, the, you know, there's not enough support. So please go and support the museum. But understand that I think what we're saying here is is that some of the choices that are being made, that what's going inside the museum is not something that we we agree with. But it's still a beautiful I mean, museum. but I
2: still appreciate, you know, the, the rich programming mm-hmm. um, that they have there. A lot of the stuff that Charles Farrell is bringing is amazing. Mm. You know, the um, Black Liberation Film Series. Like, they've had, you know, the 50th anniversary of the Black Panthers. Mm. They had the 50th anniversary of the rebellion. They've had, you know, um, Kathleen yeah. Cleaver has come to speak. They've had um, Emery Douglas of the Black Panthers. They've had, you know, various amazing performances, authors, um, plays. I mean, just all types of incredible events and poetry readings. And it's just youth programs. Mm-hmm. They have Meet the Scientist on Saturdays and not for nothing like the museum is one of my most favorite places in the whole wide world rest in peace
3: you guys are putting together uh dilla youth day pretty soon right
2: yeah it'll be like the seventh year of dilla youth day and we're gonna have it there also doing women in hip-hop there um black women rock does their thing there so there's just lots of great amazing programming that takes place there and like you mentioned, the African World Festival is one of the highlights of the city. You know, over 350,000 people descend upon Detroit to attend this festival. So that's something that may be in jeopardy as well. The board has been discussing not having the festival. So I would really hope that those types of decisions are reconsidered because people really love the festival. and I love the festival. A lot. hmm yeah. It's been so, it's been, what did Mom and Gia say? It's almost 40 years or something.
3: Um, real. Something like that. Yeah. Where, I don't know where it started. I know I used to go at Heart Plaza, but I don't know if that's where it started. I can't yeah, remember. It started at Plaza. And shout out to Mom and Gia too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I hate to keep going back into the festival, but that fashion show was so cool. Oh, like, thank you. Was, I mean, did I feel the it a lot the of with, into Did you it. feel the energy? Like, uh, mm-hmm. not digressing too much, you guys, but we're talking about the museum. And so the museum is structured Um, the way it's like once you're on the museum property, when you're walking up to the museum property, you can see like the uh there's a little bit of a neighborhood. It's on a side, you know, it's on a side street. It's on the other side of it. It's the Science Center. But once you're actually on the property of the museum, you feel it. You feel its presence. At mm. least I do. Mm. And then when you're at the festival, it's like that presence times 20. Mm. So. The way they have it set up, they got the food energy smell the food, and then there's this lawn area. Like imagine like half of the lawn area that DTE Energy has when they're uh having the, the concerts. And so it's set up just like that. And there's people with lawn chairs and it's it's a nice crowd. And so I'm walking around uh this year's and I'm, you know, I'm vibing with the crowd, and then it's like as soon as the fashion show started, it was like a whole nother vibe. Mm. And then Piper comes out. And she's like, Hey y'all, how y'all doing? And she just addresses <laughs> the crowd and you could just feel the energy. And then the show started and you could see all these festive colors and it,
2: it's, it
3: was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And shouts
2: out to Nina Payne. Oh, Nina. And Ambrose, you know. Shouts out. And Rocky. Yes. And everyone that makes <laughs> the festival just super incredible and makes the fashion show just super incredible. All the designers. <sighs> all the models and just all the hair and makeup team and you know, the video crew, Rob, the sound, lighting, you know, so, um,
3: Shout out to Baba Malik and his band. Yeah.
2: Baba Malik and his band and, you know, creative audio solutions comes through all the time. Mm. So it's just super incredible. So I'm just really, really, really praying that, um, the board of directors of the museum will look at, how important the African World Festival is to the city of Detroit, to culture, to um, cultivating uh, intentional inclusion. Yeah. You know, and so... Intentional
3: inclusion. I love that. Mm-hmm. It needs to go on the shirt. It's for real, though. Yeah. Intentional inclusion.
2: So, yep. I don't know. Fingers crossed. So, anyway, how does all this stuff relate to environmental justice? I mean... um, Oh, you know, something else that I wanted to tell you about. So, What's that? right after the, uh, the Black to Just Transition Assembly, which, by the way, was, um, like, uh, four days. It was like four days. What was your
3: favorite day? Is that okay to, to
2: ask? Yeah. I mean, I liked all, all the four days. I mean, they were all like, super incredible to me
3: you're impacted all the time you're you're always traveling what was the most impactful for you
2: you know it's just they're just all different because every day has like different speakers and you know you're just learning something different you know you get a chance to like collect with people and have discussions and learn and just like train and you know process and then you know just so all of it is just super you know what i mean yeah that's fair Yeah, so, and then we got a chance to, like, at the end of everything, we got a chance to, like, come together and then be like, okay, well, and that's the day you came. (laughs) And that's when we got a chance to, like, process everything Mm. and say, okay, we're going to move forward in this fashion, and this is going to be our strategy, and this is how we'll communicate, and these are the the working groups, and these are the things we're going to work on. And so that's pretty much what we left with, and so that's the work that folks could jump into at this point is uh moving into twenty nineteen is just like really just pushing all those initiatives, you know, forward. You know what I mean?
3: There were some brilliant minds in that room and I know I didn't even see the majority of the people that were actually there for the other the other days, but I was like, wow, this is this is these there were people who were getting very detailed.
2: Um oh that was like strategy sessions. mm, I loved it. Mm Mm-hmm. So now so that was four days. So then coming up off that, I went to another, like, what, like three day meeting. And, um, that was a similar one, but that was called the majority meeting. Mm-hmm. And so the majority is basically language that we'll be using. So for most of my life, I believe they, there was a term called minority. And that means anyone who's not white, Anglo Saxon Protestant. But the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant are the minority in the world and the rest of the people are the majority. So for, um, the last, I want to say what, like maybe five, six, seven years, there's been a term called people, people of color. And so there's POC. been, POC. A- POC. And so there's been like a pushback around POC cause people, cause people just ha- have, weird connections to, to, to being called a person of color. And so because of that, there's a term called the majority because so-called people of color are the majority. Well, people of color and women are the majority, right, of the people. So long story short, um, was like three days, interesting, very similar kind of gathering. Mm-hmm. People came from all over the country. Some of the same groups were at the table, like Grassroots Global Justice, Climate Justice Alliance. It takes roots. Um uh It was put together by the Scholars for Social Justice mm-hmm. and the Movement for Black Lives. Not Black Lives Matter, but the Movement for Black Lives. Okay. And so folks, a lot of those folks came from New York City. And so... um, there's basically that philosophy is like how do we want to build our power and how do we want to create solidarity and like build our power you know what i mean yes and so um oh it's so much like training and uh you know discuss discuss discussing like Visions and strategies and, um, talking about people's movement assemblies. Um, you know, looking at going back into our communities and like building from the ground up, like from smaller aspects of our community. So like, let's say you have a block club or let's say you have a, whatever, whatever your smallest, um, unit of organization is. It's going back into that unit and then taking this strategy and this framework and training them so that they have the language and the framework and then building up and building up. And then that's going to lead us to 2020 and we'll have a gathering, if you will, in 2020. And so between now and 2020, it's just focusing on what are the gatherings that we want to have to get us to there? Um, what are the strategies that we want to bring to the table? What um are the useful skill sets that we need to build the power that it is that we say we want to build? Do we want to create a new political party or do we want to not engage with the political process do we want to move the Democrats more to the left? And so there were all these different types of uh, conversations that were taking place. Um, and basically, it's the same type of concept like an organization of organizations or an alliance of alliances, mm-hmm. if you will. And there was also discussion around not creating an organization because... It helps people to not feel obligated, right? To like join anything. Mm. Like it's easier for folks to do an action than it is for them to like join an organization. One, one, one example that I gave mm. was, um, when we, Mahogany Jones does this event. It's called Denim Day. Okay. So she did the first Denim Day at, um, at, at, at my gallery, I used to have a 5e. And so she brought me in to help organize and I've been doing it with her ever since. And it started out super small, meaning couple, like a hundred people or something. And that was when we had the 11,000 unprocessed rape kits. And Denim Day, if you will, uh, we said it before on the episode where we talked about sexual assault awareness, mm-hmm. but Long story short, some years ago, there was a woman, and uh, was she in London? I remember she was in Europe. No, she was in Italy. And she took a taxi, and I think she was like 18 years old. The taxi picked her up, took her to a desolated place, and raped her. And the case made it all the way up to the Supreme Court the Italian Supreme Court. And when it got to the wow. Italian Supreme Court, they threw it out because they said that there was no way that she could have been raped because she had on jeans and her jeans were too tight. And so. What? Yeah. So they, they from there they did protests and um, they created Denim Day. And so with Denim Day, it's practiced again all over the world. Mahogany was like. Let's do this to bring awareness to these 11,000 rape kits that are unprocessed. So obviously all of us were like, yeah, let's do it. So the event was really powerful. We got like maybe a 100 people to come and they paid a, you know, small fee. I think it was 5 or $10 or something to attend. Um, there were different presenters from the different sexual assault awareness organizations. And we also had survivors speak and we had women and men survivors speak. We had self-defense, like a self-defense, um, training and demonstration, uh, Kim Worthy's office, um, which is the prosecutor that was took on the charge of, you know, uh, Helping to expose and work on dwindling down these eleven thousand rape kits. So we raised enough money to get like one rape kit processed, and I think at the time it was like maybe like fifteen hundred dollars or something to get like one rape kit processed. Mm. And yeah. so Piper. So basically, we we raised about that much. We got one rape kit processed, but one thing we did—shout out—that's the that's dope. Well, one thing we did was we had a petition or we for folks to sign Mm -hmm. to say that you know they want that they wanted to see the law change and for the fee to be reduced and so folks came they paid their five dollars they got some snacks and some (laughs) uh, cupcakes and things and they got to hear some stories and they got to see some videos and they got to dance and listen to music and meet some people we had counselors there we had people therapists and things like if people needed to talk like if they were feeling triggered or if they weren't sure you know if that had happened to them or if they just needed to release or if they wanted to get some help like we had lots of resources there and after that um we turned in our petition but everybody in the room signed a petition so we got like a couple hundred signatures you know on this petition to get the law changed and so once the law got changed when Denim Day came around the next year, it only cost something like four hundred fifty dollars for a rape kit to get processed, which is still like, oh my god. So, but that brought it down and brought it down. So that's good, right? And so we had continued, you know, doing the event. And Mahogany had continued doing the event, bringing me in for X amount of years now—five, six years—we've been doing it mm-hmm. now. And I brought that up as an example of. Everybody that came to that event wasn't coming there to, like, support, um, victims of sexual assault. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, many were. Many saw the flyer and they were coming. Some people were just coming to support Mahogany. Some people were just coming to support me or support whoever they knew was there. Some people were just coming because they knew the DJ. <laughs> and they knew the music was gonna be good some people were just coming because they want to see a great <laughs> performance you said and they like weren't boxed in to supporting a particular issue they were there they felt free to just come they, they could come to the event maybe they knew about why we were doing the event or not but you know what they did do when they came to that door they supported. they signed that petition mm. so that's how we got those signatures So those signatures is how we were able to move that piece of legislation, get that law changed. And so that was an an example that I gave that many, many people do things like that, but that was an example of what I gave where, you know, a lot of times we want to, I always talk about it too. We have to change the hearts and minds of the people, but sometimes we just need the people to move, right? We just need something move. We just need a certain thing move. Then we just need folks to be able to you know support whatever it is that we need moved and that might be you know as simple as signing a petition to get to get like legislation changed Mm. um sometimes it's asking folks to show up and barricade themselves at the police station but you know but i mean you know it looks in different forms and everybody's gonna be able there's different work for different people to do do you understand what I'm saying? So yes. everybody can come into this however they need to come into this. And so the point of the matter is that in building the majority is like, how are you able to participate in shifting from this growing right-wing fascist, racist uh beast that is taking over the world? Because politically- um, Brazil just got them a tropical Trump, you know. Um, a a, a right wing fascist leader they call him the Tropical Trump. I mean, they uh, you know, he's like murdering people. Um, all the stuff that Trump is doing. I mean, and that's in in America. I mean, we saw it with Europe with the whole Brexit thing. We've seen it, right? Like in uh, like Eastern Europe. You know what I'm saying? So China, so all these different governments now are, have, have some sort of right wing fascist leader. Not only that, but even what we've seen the damage that Kanye's done with, <laughs> with Candace Owens that we've even started to see in the black community, right? Like we're starting to see. And you know, another thing that the Republicans have been doing, they set up shop in the hood in Detroit probably like around 2012. So they've been slowly growing their numbers and they've got money and they've been feeding, you know what I'm saying? Yes. The hood. So they've been dressing people up. Even Candace Owens, did I send you that video where she was on, what was it, Good Day or Good Morning America? No. And she was bragging. You remember how everybody was saying like, how does she get all them black people, like blacks for Trump? Like where'd they come from? Well, she. There's a video where she brags on there that she that they went and got those young people from like a foster home a juvenile home they cleaned them up dressed them up put them in those clothes and flew them to DC and basically staged them and had them scream and stuff when they told them to and paid them and so the republicans are are that's how they're playing so they've been in the hood since 2012 Um, paying folks to run for office. So you'll see, you're going to see a lot more folks from the hood running for these offices under the Republican ticket, especially coming up in 2020. And so, you know, they're throwing money at it. They're paying them. And us as the so-called majority, you know, for, for myself, I guess I would be classified as the left, (laughs) you know, the radical left, if you will. But, you know, us as the majority You know, we're going to have to um, do our very best to not only push against the right-wing fascism, but also build the world that it is that we want to see. And Ingrid came on here and talked about the cryptocurrency and talked about imagination and dreaming and brought up uh, my favorite author, Octavia Butler, God rest her soul, and... For us, you know, the Afrofuturists, it's it's important to remember to dream, yes, and to remember to have imagination, and to remember that this whole thing that we're dealing with right here is just the physical realm, the third degree, you know. And it's, <laughs> it, I mean, in the long run, we're gonna leave this place, but how do we leave this place for the next generation?
3: That's my, that's that you know what I'm saying. My favorite narrative. It don't gotta be, it doesn't have to be perfect for me, but if I plant the seeds and those that come, let's do it. But I like what you said, how you said it. You, you, you gave it that perfect balance that I think is, is often forgot. Like it is just the word balance. Like you can't just fight without knowing what you want. And when you know what you want, it makes, sometimes makes the fight easier. So that balance you just talked about is, is everything.
2: You know. And sometimes we don't know what we want, right? And yeah, right. Because we haven't, we haven't seen it, right? Yeah. So we have to have our imagination and we have to look at our dreams and we have to look at what it is that we, yes. that we know is better for us and, and, and work to have that which is better for us, you know? Yes. And that which is better for the next generation. Yes. So we know that we are human and we know we are three fourths of water. So we know that we have <laughs> to have clean, fresh water. Yes. We know that water is supposed to be free. That's why the earth's is mostly water. Because we suppose that's why we're surrounded by water. You know, we know we need air to breathe. We know we need clean, fresh air to breathe. We know that we need one another. Why do you think it's like over seven billion people on the planet? Because we have telepathy. We have brain waves and frequencies. Mm, we in. have hearts. We have heart emotions. We have thought frequencies. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That, that we can travel into different realms. We have hearts where we can feel one another. We can love one another. Love is like the strongest energy source there is. Right. Besides your brain power. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we know that in order for all these things to be healthy and functional, that we got to have fresh food. We can't run this pristine machine that the creator put us into on hot Cheetos. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. And red pop, <laughs> you know? So it's just, if, if we know that we are the greatest creation that was ever brought into existence, then we need to treasure ourselves as, as our temple, you know? Yes. And so with that, you know, it's easy to get caught up into like greed and capitalism and like, I got mine, you get yours and don't ask me for nothing. And I don't, I'm not sharing nothing with nobody. But at the end of the day, more and more and more, we are becoming a sharing economy. We're becoming an ecosystem of leaning on one another. And so if people want to call that socialism, if people want to call helping people and making sure that human beings are not dying, socialism. Like labeling, treating people fairly as socialism, you
3: know? It's it's what, it's it's almost humorous because technically, when you take everything back technically, that's what everything is built on is people helping people.
2: It's interesting to me, like I reject the idea of socialism. I mean, just as a, as a word, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. Like, yes, I, re- yes. I reject that because I feel like, you know, the world that I grew up in, like, when people didn't have, my grandma made sure that people had. When people were hungry, my grandma made sure everybody had something to eat. Whether you were her grandchild or whether you were someone's friend or whether you lived on the block, everybody has had a hot meal. Everybody had something to eat. Everybody got treated With kindness.
3: Activism.
2: You know, and I guess that is activism. But to me, that's humanity. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't Mm, call mm, that socialism. mm. I feel like if we're human beings and you need your body to be fully functioning, then then you should be able to have access to go get a checkup while you're still in good health so that you don't have to spend a lot of money getting in good health. If you're already in good health, then you don't have to spend that dough. You can... Uh, if you have access to health, fresh healthy food you know what I'm saying which is your medicine if you have access to fresh clean water if you have access you know what I'm saying like it's just interesting to me that there are people who hold literally so much money that they would need to live 20 lifetimes to be able to spend it but yet are unwilling to make sure that others on the planet, that they could afford to make sure we're okay, are okay. And so, yeah, like for me, I want to spend my days, you know, um living healthy, number one, and being healthy, and that means healthy body, mind, and spirit, and doing healthy stuff, like, you know, doing healthy deeds like having healthy relationships, you know, speaking healthy, encouraging mm-hmm. folks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that's just like a, a I, me type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, in my world. And when I see you know organizations or uh what would you call them? Like network, you know, associations and things that are training folks that are mobilizing people, that are teaching people um vocabulary, how to listen, how to think, how to ask questions, how to be a critical thinker, how to, you know, share knowledge. Like, that's the type of stuff that I like being involved in. You know what I'm saying? Like, no shame to anyone, but you really won't find me at the club. You know what I'm saying? Like, you used to. I'm not even going to act like <laughs> that I didn't used to be. I used no, to be there, you. you know what I'm saying, in my 20s. I used to be at three clubs a night, but like now that I'm a 46 year old woman, I feel like the things that are important to me are, you know, good health, family, you know, great relationships and like just being healthy and like sharing a lot of that and sharing how to, how to other people, you know, be able to achieve a level of happiness that, that, Increases their life and 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 keeps them healthy. You yes. know what
3: I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I'm I'm a 29, and my priorities are shifting. Like I have, I can't say they've shifted. They are shifting, and I'm I'm the same way. You know, the whole eating good, uh, working out thing is just not it's not good enough for me. I mean, it goes back to the word balance and consistency for me. And that's, that's why I say my priorities are shifting. Cause in order for me to have balance and to be consistent. um, I, ha- I, I, I can't live life just based on those things. It has to be about community. You know, mm-hmm. I used to be a strong believer in I can do things in myself. I don't need people. Um, I think there was well, parts that's of what me. We were taught. Yeah. And I think there's parts of me that were, have been a little bit, I use that as a scapegoat. Cause I've, used to be afraid of people and insecure about what people would think of my ideas and think about my brain, about mm. my, my goofiness and my silliness and my awkwardness mm-hmm. and my not wanting to talk about the average thing mm. And I would seclude myself. Mm. But I don't, I, I don't believe in those type of things anymore. I feel like there is a, is there's a group and there's a community for everyone. And I'm like what? Uh, Reverend Dr. Joanne Watson say we are, you know, we we have to we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of each other. You said it. It's humanity. It's not. It's not just activism. It's not just I'm gonna do this because this is the right thing to do. It should be a part of just what we do.
2: You know? It's difficult because for the last oh, well, I can only speak for as long as I've been alive, but the messages that we receive in media. Um, is really, you know, is detrimental cause it's like, you know, purchase, 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 consume, consume, consume. Yeah. There's something wrong with you. So you need this cream. <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, there's something wrong with you unless you buy these boots or these shoes or this skirt or this blouse or use this makeup or, Oh, now we're doing makeup this way. So you got to get this product or what's wrong with your skin, you know, and, it's just a constant, you know, what kind of car are you driving? Like, were you seen at the, at the right places? Like, are you dating the, the, the person that other people think that you need to be marrying? Like, just all these things that, mm. you know, are thrust like upon us. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And so a lot of those things push us to insecurities. A lot of those things push us into corners of ourselves that make us not want to be our full selves. And so for me, part of when I do, um, activism, that takes me personally out of thinking about myself, mm. about how I feel about myself, because it pushes me to think about who's coming after me, the world, other people, what they're going through. And I'm not there, um, you know, Dang, trying to, <laughs> you know, nitpick myself to death about why my stomach isn't flat. You understand what I'm saying? And then going to deep depression, you know, but I mean, that's part of it. But I think another part of it is that I actually really care about people. You know, I'm an Aquarius. And so I actually, you know, I'm an empath and I'm kind of telepathic and all those kind of things. And so I really care deeply about people. Like, it really pains me to see other people in pain like literally, even my enemies, like I don't even wish harm on my enemies and kind of more is because it's it hurts me. Mm. Like it hurts me to see other people in pain. So I, people that I'm looking at, you know, like the migrants that are seeking asylum, like these are people who are leaving the country because they're being persecuted and terrorized. And the United States has this whole mantra on the Statue of Liberty talking about, you know, come on, I got you. Mama mama got you. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? I do. And then it's like, (laughs) we turning people away that's seeking asylum. We just left this freaking so-called holiday that was, they had told us for many years that it was about people who had left their homeland seeking spiritual freedom mm. and came here and literally annihilated and murdered whole villages, towns, and land masses of people to colonize and take over and escape whatever persecution they were facing, right? And create something new. Mind you, the people that came here were also so-called criminals. They emptied the jails out to create the United States. Let's be clear. They, they emptied the jails of Europe out to create this place. Okay. So, yes, you know, it's just very, very, very traumatic to watch the original indigenous people of this land right oh, man. that are just migrating which is what folks do we people humans migrate yes you know whether um, whether whether
3: nature tells you to whether your spiritual spiritual that spiritual values spiritual changes tell you to it is a part of Mm. nature to migrate. That is very correctly stated. And if you don't believe us, look at the animals. Look at the animals. There's TV. I'm, I'm a shouts out to Bobby
2: Hemmett because (laughs) you watch Bobby Hemmett. Of course. Let me find out. Bobby Hemmett. Shouts out to Baba
3: with Bob. Shouts out. And he would say things. He would, he would give these lectures and, and point people to movies because he understood how This society puts a lot of the true ancient knowledge in film. Mm -hmm. And I have mentioned him and then also want to mention in 2000 and in the 2016, 17, there's a show on TV called American Gods and every episode, they start the episode off with a migrant story. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about how they migrate, whether it's because of conditions, spiritual beliefs or just wanting something different it is a part of
2: who we are well that's one part of it but these particular migrants are actually refugees and they are and that changes the whole like you said they they are seeking asylum because they are fleeing from terror right and it's like fleeing from terror to terror it's just thinking. it's like a lot a lot a lot and yeah so all of our struggles are linked. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for all those people who are, you know, there's a debate about the descendants of slaves and so-called, you know, black Americans. Is there a debate? If there's a debate, um, <laughs> about, you know, descendants of slaves and, uh, one, one part of the debate is that, you know, saying that black people shouldn't be involved in caring about the immigrant struggle. Ah, uh, okay. I'm with you. Sorry. I overthought you. But for me, all our struggles are linked. And even if you're super selfish and you don't understand right now how our struggles are linked, um, let this place empty out all of its so-called immigrants. Okay. You will really, 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 really get to see terror like it's people think that we've seen terror like whatever terror is right now but i mean oh my goodness just karmically just all around i mean i don't even want to think about it i'm just going to continue to put positive vibrations on the people who you know are traveling right now and really need a friend, and really need God, and really need family, and really need food, need a blanket, need support, need some medical care, need to make sure their children are okay. Like, I'm just really sending a blanket of love to all those people who are fleeing someplace where they are so afraid that they uprooted everything that was sustainable, everything that was simple, everything that was home, for instability, Mm -hmm. for sleepless nights, for on the run, in the middle of the night, for uh, just not knowing. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I'm just, my prayers and my thoughts, you know, like my whole heart at this point is just going to like all of those people because... That is a current modern day struggle that we're watching right now that our ancestors, our recent ancestors, our ancestors who, if you're a black American descendant of slaves and you're from Detroit, like my grandparents, your grandparents fled terror in the South. Yes. From the KKK to come up to the North. To get a good paying job, quote, air quotes, for $5 to take care of their families so that they could relax, if you will, in air quotes, in soft racism so that they didn't have to face, you know, the immediate dangers and terrors, right? Yeah. And, and just go back a generation before that and a generation before that. And if you're, you know, any type of human being, you will have some sort of heart or feeling or caring to, like, what the heck are people really doing? They're participating in genocide, you know? These soldiers that are at the border, Donald Trump, like, all this military, you know what I'm saying? Like, all this militarization, like, all this cops, All this stuff is just genocide, genocide, genocide. Because at the end of the day, they're really popping people off because they're practicing population control. And the whole thing is population control. You understand what I'm saying? So the the rest of us that are here and respect life and humanity and this planet and any level of spirituality in one another... We know that we live in abundance. This world is abundant. There is so much. There is enough for everyone. Very true. There's enough for everyone. So for me, as long as I'm still going, I'm going to keep pushing that type of message out there. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful message. Yeah. It's a beautiful message. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess that's pretty much it for today, huh? Yeah, this was good. Talk about activism. Girl talk activism. I love it. Activism. I mean, it is interesting, too, because were you, are you, had you been, it seemed like you've been kind of contemplating these things before you got on the podcast. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what's up. Because you came here, like, pretty ripe. And I was just like, huh, Brittany's, like, super critically intelligent. That's Uh, wonderful. My mom was...
3: I wish, when you talk about your story about going to african Center schools, I wish, Mm -hmm. I really, really, really wish my mom would have taken that tiny step. And I love my mom because I could take you back to my kindergarten pictures where I was in private Christian schools
2: Mm -hmm.
3: where I had, I don't know the correct terminology, but I had my african Center clothes on and people would be laughing at me on picture day. So my mom always... Taught me my history, but plugged mm. me in to the world. So I've always been kind of like half, mm. like like this kind of, like I, people can't see me. I'm like titter-totter like I'm seesawing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have my phases where, you know, try to fit in and fit mm-hmm. in. But you mm-hmm. always go back to your foundation if that's, at least that's, that's what it's meant for it mm-hmm. to happen. And I'm very, very rooted. And first of all, understanding that we're all different, but we're one, you know, we're one and the same in that Uh. You have to be compassionate. You have to be in a position where you have to learn from those that came before you. And you have to be able when I say learn, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to absorb. You have to be able to go back and do research. You have to be able to go back and really, really uh get the uh get the get the several sides of truth so you know Mm -hmm. how to move forward. And that's what I'm passionate about is is just understanding and like I said to you, my priorities are changing. Um. So yeah, and okay. this being here is just—it's just funny. It's just funny. So you know, being all—all all that I just said is you know absorb, absorbing, not being afraid to not know, um, and just learning. Like I've learned so much with my time being here, just through watching you and hearing about the things you're doing. You've opened my world up to so many things I've never sat in a room with. Um, blacks from all over the world to sit and try to formulate an agenda for a framework of putting it on paper for two thousand and twenty. I've never been a part of it. I've mm. never
2: well, you just were a part of it. I was a part of it, yeah, I was a part of it, but yeah, so yeah, and those are my last words by the way. Those are your last words, yeah. okay, and where can people find you?
3: Brittany at Detroit is different yeah dot com. hey,
2: what about you, Piper? Um, yeah, I said a lot. So I think I got my last words in. I think um just moving forward, uh just really excited about doing this podcast, really excited about the relationship that we've been building here yes. and the learning that I've been doing from you. You know, I'm like uh you, you you keep me young. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um we gotta young. go see some films together. We gotta go see a couple of films. Let's do uh, it. Uh so we can probably do some film critiques okay. coming up. So let's look at that. And then, um, yeah, just working on all the Piper Carter stuff. So, the We Found Hip Hop, the Studio Arena, and the Piper Carter Studio photography business. And, yeah, just excited about what's coming for 2019 and just appreciating the rest of the living that I'm doing in 2018. And one thing I wanted to do um, is just give... Some love to my brother, Kadiri Ra. Mm. He passed a couple of weeks ago. I have mentioned him a couple of times. And in the newsletter, his memorial is going to be coming up in December. Really close brother of mine, food justice, farming, mm. uh community comrade. He was the farm manager at D-Town Farms and mm. youth leader. And just he had cancer. And it's just, I'm so overwhelmed that he passed. And so just want to send his family and Tracy and, you know, everyone, Mickey Braden, everyone that his daughters, just everyone that loved him, you know, his mom, everyone who appreciated him and got to know him. Uh, just want to send everyone the whole, Social justice, food justice, food security, yes, family, lots of love and encouragement, and just appreciate our beloved brother, you know. Yes. Yeah. Fairs so, and healing. Right. Thank you, Brittany. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's it. Um, Piper Carter podcast. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And all of that is real easy. I just keep it real simple. Piper Carter. Um, and listen to the Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is Different. And you can email me at piper at Detroit is dot com.
0: Peace. Remember to like. Share, subscribe, and always listen on stitches. Remember doing Google this for Play, no fun. Apple Time store, well spent. Going to
4: keep your refund. I'm nobody's still drunk. Going and running reruns and different strokes for different folks. Why? Cause some do it for the income. Don't do this for the money. Cause trust me, I would have been done. I'ma do this till I'm bloody and muddy. Call it my long run, call it my ransom, call it your anthem. Swoosh, go in and make that and one. Just do it, go ahead and pursue it. Chase it like it was true, and cause it actually is. It's true. Many a doofus with too many excuses. to why this music seems to be just making us useless. We all gagging and lolling in. Too busy polying, poly tricking, it's Forbidden when infants are left lying in. Urine and feces, question where that peace be. Peace be too quiet, too chill. Peace be too calm and too still. Cause everybody nowadays got a license to ill. And everybody nowadays got a license to kill. Kill, 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 kill. Murder, murder, murder. Blood spill spill spill, 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 spill. So they service cold plates. So cold. Cases and we've been waiting, putting out order for justice. We wonder what the taste is. Her, she was blind, never thought she was racist. Never thought she was racist. How come the ones who's supposed to keep us and save us? They chase us, they used to use some hoses, but nowadays they just haze us. Nothing seems to face us. Reality's not reality till it's on the stage. Cuz, cuz, we all exhibitionists. Everybody's courageous, everybody's the bravest until it's time for action. We all crying out, save us, crying out to God and calling all kinds of favors. Do we actually believe based on our behavior? The end times upon us, we all gon' need a savior Listen I'm going to do it till this kingdom come. Do it till the work's done. Do it till it's not fun. That day will never come. Do it till I see it through. Do it till I'm see-through. Phantom of my own opera. No musical make visible the invisible. God's point of view. we it without residuals. This is my cue.
0: Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning in to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network Weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never-before-told stories from the people of Detroit.